Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Every day, millions take to the internet to find love, a date, or just a hookup. While many encounters become exciting new relationships, some become devastating dates with death. I'm about to tell you the story of one such deadly online connection. Welcome to I Met My Murderer Online. I'm Patricia Brown, but you can call me Patches. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm-mm-mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Sydney Loof went on a date with a stranger she met online. She was reported missing the following day. Although Sydney was known to suffer from depression, there were no signs she would harm herself. Could Sydney have been abducted? Rumors of a witchcraft coven and a local sex trafficking ring would become the focus in finding the missing Lincoln, Nebraska local, Sydney Loof. Tinder. I met her on Tinder. I told you about those sites. Are you scared? Sydney Loof was a 24-year-old cashier at Menard's Home Improvement Store in North Lincoln, Nebraska. Sydney swipe right and matched with a woman named Audrey. This is clinical psychologist Dr. Judy Ho. For the next three days, Sydney texted 140 messages in her Tinder app with Audrey in anticipation of a possible hookup. Turns out Audrey was just one of many online aliases of 23-year-old Bailey Boswell. This alias was in honor of her partner in crime and other activities, Aubrey Trail, a man nearly twice her age. Well, me and Bailey, um, mostly we were thieves and we ran cons. This is Aubrey Trail, who is awaiting execution on death row in Nebraska's Tecumseh State Correctional Institution. We had three girls that lived with us that we met on Tinder and we pretty much went all over the country, uh, stealing mostly antiques, uh, mad checks, fraudulent checks. We were criminals. I mean, that's the only way I can really put it is we were criminals. And uh, it was a blast. I mean, uh, even sitting here on death row right now, I mean, if I could change the November night, I would change that. But as far as my lifestyle up until that day, I mean, I wouldn't change a thing. It was awesome. Criminal defense attorney Sarah Azari notes these weren't small-time thieves. Trail and Boswell conned a coin-collecting couple in Hiawatha, Iowa, for $400,000. Using the $400,000 stolen from the coin collector, Trail and Boswell lured women online with the money to create their coven of thieves and witches. Sydney's recent romantic reports posted online reflected her loneliness and longing for love. 
As a 24-year-old looking for love online, Sydney was doing what her generation does to meet people. This way of meeting is a standard in today's dating scene. There's nothing weird about it. People are an open book online, they chat with strangers, but from a public safety perspective, this can be a very daunting and challenging task. People in general have no idea how far their reach is online. This is tech expert and influencer David Klein. The amount of people who have exposure to their lives, locations, and places of work. It's important to know that once you agree to the terms and conditions, it's up to you, the user, to discern what is safe or a risk. And in this case, Sydney Loof agreed. So she was all in on going out with a complete stranger. The attraction between Sydney and Audrey was going strong, including a mutual love for smoking marijuana and sex. Sydney's family was very concerned about her chronic marijuana use and missing days of work. Sydney suffered from bouts of depression, so naturally, the exchange with Audrey could have been a real boost for her self-confidence. She had family and friends who did love her, but she needed a lot of external validation and that she had self-worth. Sydney and Audrey spoke via Tinder messaging. Audrey pressed Sydney for a date. We can drive around, get to know each other, smoke some weed. Well, I was trying to quit, but I'm not going to pass up smoking with a gorgeous girl. I can throw you some cash if you want. I have plenty of money and plenty of weed. I can take you to a fancy dinner, to a casino, and pay for everything. That sounds cool. All I need is an address. Sydney was reluctant to give up her address, and then she asked a very important question. It's just going to be me and you, right? Yes, of course. Okay. Trail says he and Boswell had a well-honed process when it came to recruiting new girls to their crime and sex coven. And Boswell was always the bait. During the process of Bailey chatting and stuff and meeting the girls, I basically let Bailey handle, you know, the flirting and the setting up a date. But what I always told Bailey is, you need to keep your eyes open what she's saying. You have to come back and tell me everything that happened, everything that was said. She would casually bring up, uh, what, what is her financial state? Like, uh, does she have trouble paying her bills? What's her family situation? You know, Bailey would fish for all of this information while they were talking. They drove through Lincoln, Nebraska for hours, getting high and getting to know each other. Cell phone data indicates that Sydney and Audrey spent several hours together at various locations. What's this? My tattoo. Everything will be wonderful someday. It will be. The date, by all accounts, seemed to genuinely go well. Sydney sends her friend Brooklyn McChrystal a screenshot of Audrey's Tinder profile and details about their great date. Meanwhile, Bailey reported to Trail that Sydney seemed like their type of girl. Bailey came back and uh, said that she was a really she was really sweet. She was uh, didn't have much money. Uh, she was she worked at Menard. I mean stuff like that and then she told me that she thought she would be open to uh to uh talking and anything that would make money she thought that sydney would 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 be uh, down for it and so i took her at her word and i said okay let's get her to, to the apartment 
Sydney received a text message from Audrey at 12.53 the next day, during her lunch break. Wanna hang out tonight? Audrey wants to hook up again. Okay, 7 p.m. work? See you then. Phone records indicate that the text message for the second date came from the parking lot at Menard's Home Improvement. Trail and Boswell had gone to Menard's so Trail could see Sydney for himself. I wanted to see what she looked like in person to, to see if physically she was someone that I would be attracted to. So I went into Menard's and Bailey told me which one she was and it just so happened that I passed her going in and I turned around and I looked at her and I was, I was trying to get a good look at her and everything. Trail liked what he saw, so the second date was on. The last message between Sydney and Audrey was here. Audrey texted Sydney outside of her apartment at 6.54 p.m. This would be the last transmission from Sydney's cell phone. Trail and Boswell's plan was to have Bailey and Sydney end up back at their apartment in neighboring Wilbur, Nebraska. What we planned was simply when Bailey went on her second date with her, Bailey would call me on speakerphone and Bailey and I always kept a lot of weed and stuff at the, at the house. So Bailey was talking about, um, can they stop by and get some weed? And uh, I had some cocaine at the time. And uh, would it be okay if Sydney came? And I said, yeah, that's no problem. Uh, uh, and I talked to Sydney a little bit on the phone and she got real comfortable. I had her giggling and laughing. And uh, so they pulled up to get some uh, uh, weed and coke and they came in and sat down on the couch. and. Uh, they were sitting together talking, and uh, I went and uh, poured them both a drink. Now, Trail and Boswell began grooming their newest recruit. Or so they thought. The evening didn't go quite the way they planned. Sydney went missing on the evening of November 16th. This is Lincoln Police Chief Jeff Blymeister. On November 17th, Sydney's mother um, contacted the Lincoln Police Department, and shortly after that, it was determined uh, that she was missing. Sydney was a hopeless romantic. One look at her public Twitter profile portrayed Sydney as lonely. Dr. Ho believes Sydney's unfiltered social media posts made her an easy target to online predators like Trail and Boswell. In looking at Sydney's lonely online life, she posted often about being attracted to women, needing support, being lonely. It was all out there for people to see and take advantage of. We are still seeking any and all information from anybody regarding their knowledge of where uh, Sydney could be and to uh, ask for their assistance. Attorney Sarah Azari. Sydney Loof was a missing person. The first 48 hours are absolutely critical. The Lincoln Police Department acted quickly. According to Sydney's phone, the last ping to a cell tower was at 8.31 p.m. on November 15, 2017, in Wilbur, Nebraska. The Lou family, who are very private and really don't speak with the media, stepped forward to alert the public that Sydney was in fact missing. In my opinion, someone knows something. Please, please do the right thing. Coming up, Rumors began to spread about persons of interest, a woman, possibly Sydney's Tinder date, and a mystery man. But they were running into dead ends finding them. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. 
Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. The Lou family issued a poster displaying Sydney's distinctive tattoos, including the tattoo that read, Everything will be wonderful someday. Sydney's Tinder date was a mystery, and the local community was tense. According to Dr. Ho, Sydney's friends, Brittany and Brooklyn, wanted to help. The girls set up a phony Tinder profile as they knew Audrey's profile from Sydney texting it to Brittany. Brooklyn matched with Audrey and asked for a phone number. And Audrey actually gave Brooklyn her number. Brooklyn gave Audrey's phone number to the Lincoln Police Department. Investigators now had their lead suspect's phone number, which meant they could now track their location. The next morning, about 8.30 or 9 o'clock, Bailey's Tinder phone rang the one that she always used for Tinder. And uh, Detective Cleveland, he left a uh, message on the phone. He was looking for Audrey and uh, asked her to call him. I didn't understand how they connected the dots so quickly. I mean, I didn't know what to think. I was kind of freaked out that they put two and two together so quickly. You can't really panic because Bailey was already counting on me for the answers. and. I didn't have any answers, to be honest. I mean, I was just, I was just flying by the feet of my pants. With the Lincoln detectives already looking for Audrey, Trail and Boswell knew they had precious little time to make their escape. So we went to, uh, we went to uh, Omaha. We picked up Katie, the third girl that was with us for a week. We called ahead and told her that we were coming, and uh, we picked her up. Once we got out of there. We went, well, we stopped at the bank and I put two or $3,000 in Katie's account because I wanted to, um, we were going to use her credit cards, of course. I took my car, left Bailey's there, and then we went to um, Harris Casino in Council Bluffs. We, we planned to stay there three days, but on the second day, I just got a real icky feeling, I mean, that we, we should go. So... The morning of the third day, I sent Katie home in a taxi with Bailey to pick up her car because I assumed that they'd probably be looking for mine by now. She brought her car to the casino and Bailey and Katie took my car and parked it in the Walmart parking lot in Omaha and um, uh, come back in a taxi. And we left and took a Katie's car. Despite their attempts to throw law enforcement off their trail, the fugitives felt the pressure to keep running. We went to Kearney, and unbeknownst to me, Katie's mom had found out that she was with us. The cops had already went and talked to her, and she told them that Katie was with us. I had a friend that worked in law enforcement. As soon as we checked in to the motel in Kearney, Katie turned on her phone because she was going to call her mom and say that everything was okay. As soon as she turned on her phone, Her phone started ringing, and it was uh, the Omaha Police Department calling to do a welfare check. Then Trail's phone rang. His insider friend in law enforcement was calling to warn him that U.S. Marshals were on their way. My other phone, it rang, so I answered it. And my buddy said, man, they know you're in Kearney. Get the fuck out of there. Wherever, Wherever you're at, get the fuck out of there right now. So I just snatched Katie's phone, turned it off, turned mine off. And I said, grab your shit. We hadn't even unpacked yet. We were there for a total of nine minutes. 
Investigators arrived too late, and the suspects had already fled the hotel. Katie is madder than hell. She's like, what's going on? So ba Bailey is the one that told her. She said, look, girl, because Katie was in love with Bailey, and Bailey loved her back. But uh, uh, Bailey said, look, she said, this girl Sydney's missing. She said she came over to the apartment last night. She said, we partied. I took her home, and now she's disappeared. I saw right away that Katie was going to be become more of a liability than anything because now the cops were looking for her as a missing person. So me and Bailey discussed it and I told Kaylee, I said, look, Katie, you, you're gonna have to go home because you're just, you're gonna draw huge amounts of heat to us. So Katie said, okay, I understand, even though she probably didn't, as it turned out. Through good police work and FBI technology, Lincoln law enforcement were rapidly piecing together their investigation. For starters, Sydney's phone number was pinged to trail in Boswell's Wilbur apartment location. Tech expert David Klein explains. Basically, a cell phone tower can locate cell phone data, and by doing what's called a ping, you can locate the last time that cell phone data was accessed. And now that the Lincoln Police Department had Audrey's phone number, they could get cell phone tower info. Capture the information from the cell towers and use it to triangulate and locate the last position, the last ping that occurred. A search warrant was issued for the Wilbur apartment of Aubrey Trail and Bailey Boswell. Upon arriving at the Wilbur apartment to collect evidence, the landlord, Alan Cole, and his family revealed unusual activity on the night of Sydney's disappearance. So yeah, here's where I was, sitting here on my bed. I was texting my friend. Dayton Cole, Alan's son, who lived in the apartment next door, described the sudden and overwhelming smell of bleach on the night of the 15th. There was just suddenly this terrible smell, like bleach. Definitely bleach smell. There was a yeah, oh yeah. Alan Cole then said something that got the detective's attention. This air conditioning unit, huh? they ran it for three days at 60 degrees, it was totally frozen over. Investigators found phone data from Bailey Boswell's cell and three women, believed to have known the couple, were contacted directly by the Lincoln PD. The women all told the same story to FBI special agents, that they met Bailey, Audrey, Boswell on Tinder in the summer of 2017. They mostly had sex with Boswell, sometimes with Trail or both Trail and Boswell. The women were terrified of Trail. He wanted to be called daddy, and he would give the women $200 a week allowances to join their coven. In exchange for the money, the women also helped set up scams and steal antiques. There were allegedly 13 witches in the coven, although only four had been identified and Bailey Audrey Boswell was the queen witch above all. All three women say they left the coven two months before Sydney Luce's disappearance. Trail and Boswell arrived in Spencer, Iowa on Thanksgiving Day. Rather than keep moving from town to town, they decided to hide out in the 1.5 million acre Mark Twain National Forest in the Ozark Highlands in Missouri. So they loaded up on camping gear at the local Walmart, then headed for Missouri, but stopped off in Ames, Iowa on the way. We were there for two days. Up until this time, we were just people of interest. Our picture had not been put on TV. Our picture had not been put in the newspaper or anything. So I was... I was constantly following everything on my on one of my phones. I mean, every hour, every 30 minutes, I would uh, Google Sydney Luce and all this new information would come up. And uh, about three o'clock in the morning, 
two days after we got there, I woke up and I just typed in Sydney's name. And the first thing that pops up was these pictures of me and Bailey. Uh, we, we turned for people of interest to suspects and they'd posted our pictures. So I grabbed Bailey by the leg. Our signal was no time. If I, if she ever said no time or I ever said no time, that meant we had to go and we had to go and leave everything right now. So I was just yelling, no time, no time. And she knew what was going on. She jumped up, got dressed, um, grabbed, she grabbed her purse. She stuck her money and I think a pair of panties and, and maybe a, just a couple other things. She stuck it in her purse, everything else we just, left at the motel and we were out we were out the front door we jumped in the car i pulled into the walmart parking lot the walmart walmart's right across the street we beat the u.s marshals and the uh uh state patrols task force out the door by about 15 minutes uh so we after that we jumped back on the highway we were going we were were trying to get to the uh uh, state forest that day but it, it got after midnight so I hit a rest area and took a chance and I parked between two trucks and we slept a little bit. About six o'clock that morning, I said, fuck this. I had this brilliant idea. I don't know where it comes from, but I I regret it now. I said, baby, I said, let's post YouTube videos and and proclaim our innocence. Good morning, Lincoln and Omaha and probably several other places. This is Aubrey Trail and this is Bailey Boswell, I guess. Y'all also know her as Audrey. The video was uploaded to the Loof family Facebook page called Finding Sydney Loof. This is Batman villain level stuff. Normal people don't proclaim innocence on social media. They turn themselves in. I'm Bailey. Audrey on Tinder and a few other names because I have warrants. But this really isn't about me. This is about Sydney. I met her on a Tuesday. We drove around Lincoln, smoked weed. I went to take her home, and she asked me to drop her off at a friend's house. So, I mean, I haven't heard from her since. I just, I guess I just want the family to know that I'm truly sorry, and I didn't have anything to do with this, and I hope that Sydney is found very soon. She is a sweet, amazing girl. Um, I don't know. But as far as I'm concerned, what they're chasing us around like dogs, I wish the family the best. I wish Sydney the best. But as far as the police department, you. Yeah. When you've already got every cop in four states, uh, I mean, they had the Swift trucks and the Walmart truck drivers out looking for us. When you've got this kind of manpower out looking for you, it's usually not a good idea to throw it in the cop's face. That was that was a mistake. Now, two weeks since the 24-year-old's disappearance, Lincoln's police chief saying there is absolutely still hope Sydney is alive. We believe that Aubrey Trail and Bailey Boswell were two of the last people to have known to Ben with Sydney prior to her disappearance. Information that we received from the public has really helped our investigation tremendously. Life on the run was beginning to take its toll on Trail and Boswell. We'd been up for almost three days. I mean, with just a nap here and a nap there. Finally, we went back to Branson. I, I knew the guy that owned the Windmill Motel, so we checked into the motel there. And uh, we went to sleep that night, had sex two or three times, because I, we, we knew it was close to being over. 
so uh, we a matter of days at the most. I mean, we thought sometimes it was even possibly hours, which it turned out to be. We got up the next morning. Uh, Bailey asked me that I want donuts and coffee, and I said, sure. So she walked over to uh, Krispy Kreme Donuts, which is two doors up. But about uh, 30 minutes passed, so I just assumed that um, something bad had happened. She'd been arrested. I took her phones just to be safe, and I factory reset them two or three times. Then I hid the phones and the gun. I stepped out on the uh, walkway in front of the motel because I kind of felt a little itchy, but I wasn't sure. So I stepped out, just relaxed on the uh, uh, walkway there. The next thing I know, about eight U.S. Marshals and task force come flying around the other side of the motel across from me with uh, guns drawn, and then another one come around the corner. You have them hands up, hands up, hands up. On November 30th, 2017, Aubrey Trail and Bailey Boswell, a.k.a. Audrey, were arrested and held on a federal person of interest warrant in the disappearance of Sidney Loof. And then a bombshell hit on December 4th, 2017. Based on cell phone tower data sourced by Detective Robert Hurley, investigators search an area of interest 90 miles southwest of Lincoln and Clay County. Nebraska State Patrol Detective Corey Townsend was sent to the area to investigate. Townsend made a grisly discovery. Body parts in black plastic trash bags and the distinctive tattoo belonging to Sidney Loof that read, everything will be wonderful someday. Yesterday afternoon, a body was discovered in rural Clay County. At this time, we believe it to be the body of Sidney Loof. Sidney was dismembered, placed in trash bags across a rural area in Clay County, Nebraska. Trail and Boswell were now formally charged with the murder and dismemberment of Sidney Loof. Their defense? Consensual erotic asphyxiation gone wrong. The court is taking up the case of State of Nebraska versus Aubrey Trail. This is case CR 18-232. Bailey would be tried separately, and Aubrey's trial would happen first. Opening statements begin in the trial against Aubrey Trail. He's accused of murdering Sidney Loof in November of 2017. Trail claimed it was an accident. Attorney Sarah Azari. However, surveillance footage from Home Depot showed that Trail and Boswell bought the killback contents, including saws and cutters, the very morning of the second Tinder date on November 15, 2017. Although Trail explains their trip to Home Depot and the purchase of the hacksaws was purely coincidental. I was an antique dealer. I just purchased a uh, old feed sign, farm porcelain sign, uh, about an inch of it was rusted. Uh, the hacksaw I bought that day was actually to cut that sign. I ended up using it to dismember Sidney's body. I mean, it was a coincidence. I knew that, my lawyers knew that. I knew that was a damning piece of evidence. I mean, a person had to believe what they want to believe, but that one episode there, it was a coincidence and it was not bought for that. It was bought for exactly what I said it was, but there was no way to make anyone believe that. The picture of Sydney's last night became clearer. Bailey picks up Sydney at her house, calls you and tells her that she's on the way. 
This is true. Back to Will. This is true. And Sydney never leaves your place. This is true. Except in Garden. This is true. Compton the Beach. This is true. Trail maintained his rough sex gone wrong defense throughout the trial. The last thing Sydney Leaf ever said to me was, Do you promise I'll be okay? It's the last thing she ever said to me. I killed her. I mean, I didn't mean to, but I did. Trail admitted that the end was sloppy and poorly planned, claiming he wasn't a killer, just a con man, and that the electrical cord was part of the sex play. A claim Joe and Ben Murray, Trail's father and son defense team, found believable. We really did after we found uh, pictures on Sidney Luce's phone where uh, she was apparently interested in the erotic asphyxiation as well. Yeah, I mean, she had some, um, like some memes and things like that and um, that led us to believe she had at least had a passing interest in it. And it lined up with the, the evidence. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. By day six of his trial, Aubrey Trail had grown angry over what he thought was deliberate mistreatment on the part of Saline County Jail. So he decided to retaliate. They were treating me like shit. They were keeping me in the hole. I had to be handcuffed everywhere. My dad was on my right. Aubrey was on my left. And we were between witnesses. To us, he was totally fine. And he had been passing me notes. And, you know, we had even joked around a little bit. And like there was nothing unusual going on in the trial. It was pretty boring. And then I just noticed some movement. And I went to turn to him. I was mostly just going to tell him to be quiet. Um, I didn't know what was happening. As soon as the next witness was sworn in, Trail lashed out. Please be seated. Bailey is innocent. I curse you all. I turned to him while he was saying, I curse you all. And then I actually watched him slice his neck with the razor. I saw that happen. The judge was, you know, had the presence of mind to yell, turn off the camera. And then we all just kind of stood around and waited to see what happened. Because um, there was just a pile on the floor of, of the deputies. And, uh, you know, they had crashed through a bookcase. And we all just sat there. I guess they got the bleeding stopped and started dragging him out. One of the jailers come around. You could get a razor every morning and you could shave. Well, he forgot to come get it back. He forgot to come get the razor back. So I busted it open, I took the razor blade out, and I broke the razor blade in half. I wrapped it in the, I wrapped it in toilet paper so it wouldn't cut me, and I stuck it in my jaw. And they didn't search me. I mean, they didn't even pat me down. At the time, back then, I was in a wheelchair, so they didn't really think I was a threat, you know? But, uh, so I, I, I pretty much just, they rolled me right in with the razor blade in my hand. I almost died from it, true enough. I mean, it took 88 stitches to close it. But it wasn't a suicide attempt, it was just to, it was to embarrass Saline County. It was pandemonium in the Saline County courtroom on day six of the Aubrey Trail trial. The accused killer of Lincoln woman Sidney Loof cut his own throat in court Monday morning. The trial for Aubrey Trail was an absolute circus. As for defense attorneys Joe and Ben Murray, they believed Trail's stunt changed the whole tone of the trial. We interviewed the jurors to make sure they could still give them a fair trial. They all spotted the party line that they could. Uh, but it just it just seemed different to me. It just seemed like after that incident, uh, nobody was nobody was paying any attention. I just had the had the feeling that their minds were made up. And and uh, despite the fact that, that uh, we brought out 
what I consider to be very uh, uh, important information after that, uh, it just it just seemed to fall on dead ears. When the trial resumed, the prosecution revealed groundbreaking technology that tracked one of Bailey Boswell's phones via cell phone towers and call activity. Investigators could accurately monitor the speed that Boswell's phone was traveling at and where the phone stopped. Each stop directly corresponded with a drop-off point of Sydney's remains. The duo left a digital trail where all signs led to them being Sydney Luce killers. This is Captain Jake Dillsaver of the Lincoln Police Department. The information from Verizon that was received was that the phone had been inactive for about 24 hours, but it had last pinged in Wilbur, Nebraska. Coming up, Aubrey Trail reveals, for the first time, the diabolical and deadly plan he had for controlling the women in his coven. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Chilling testimony from the three women who joined the Trail Boswell Coven stated that the couple wanted to kill another woman on November 22, 2017, one week after Sydney's murder. Dr. Judy Ho describes Aubrey's lethal charm. Aubrey had a real talent for collecting people to be part of his coven, to basically be his cult followers that were generally disenfranchised. He was able to control them and get them to do really grotesque things with just the smallest amount of money. I'm going to share something that I've never shared with anyone. My goal with all these women was to have them kill one person. I wanted to film it. I wanted to hide the video somewhere. And then I owned these girls. There was never a question as to whether they could leave, whether they could say no to me for anything, because I would have them on tape murdering someone. So I had them stealing for me as it was, but every now and then they would hesitate. But I knew if I could get, if I could get them to agree to a murder and I could film it on a phone or something, it was, I would never turn them in if they left or something. I would never, I would never do that. But the threat of it would be just as good. So that was my plan. On July 10th, 2019, Aubrey Trail was found guilty for the murder of Sidney Loof. State of Nebraska and Aubrey C. Trail, the defendant, guilty of murder in the first degree. Trail was given the death penalty for the murder of Sidney Loof. Bailey Boswell was convicted in 2020 of killing Sidney Loof. She pleaded with the judges to spare her life for her seven-year-old daughter's sake. On November 8, 2021, a divided three-judge panel sentenced Boswell to life in prison without the possibility of parole. She is currently appealing her sentence. First, I would like to say that even though I have to direct my statement to the court, I understand that it's not for the court, it's for Sidney Loof's family. At his sentencing, Aubrey Trail was granted the opportunity to read a statement before the court and the Lou family, surprising everyone, including his attorneys, with a stunning confession. 
And I also want you to know that my attorneys could only defend me on what I told them. And I think they did a great job at that, but uh, they could only work with what I told them, I guess is what I'm trying to say. I am writing this down so that I don't leave anything out as this will be the only time I get to address Sidney Lou's family. I realize that nothing I can say here today will change in the least what I did to Sydney three and a half years ago. I won't say I'm sorry, as that would be an insult to you after what I've put you through. And I won't ask for forgiveness as I, as I don't believe there is such a thing. I doubt that there is such a thing as closure in a case such as this, so I won't pretend that I am doing that. I'm only doing what I should have done three and a half years ago. A lot of very bad things have been said about me, and I don't disagree. I've never claimed to be a good person, but I do, however, live by a set of rules. During my interviews with law enforcement and here in this courtroom, a lot of lies were told about Sidney Loof. I was fighting a death penalty case, so telling the truth was the farthest thing from my mind. And I would now like to clear them up, those up. Sidney Loof did not die as a result of erotic asphyxiation. I murdered her. Sidney was never a part of our group. She was never paid to participate in any sexual or criminal activities, nor did she ever make phone calls for me in any of my scams. Sydney was never at the Grand Weaver Motel with me. The two motel clerks that testified that they saw her there were with me on more than one occasion were mistaken. I took a lot of women to that motel, and obviously they mistook one of them for Sydney. The landlord's wife from the apartment here in Wilbur who testified that she saw Sydney at the apartment with me earlier in the summer of 2017 was mistaken. Sydney was never at the apartment prior to the one time in November of 2017. A lot of women were in and out of there. A lot of them were blondes. I'm sure she mistook one of them for Sydney. When I told law enforcement where Sydney Luce's phone was and told them that what was, what was on her phone would help me more than it did them, it was a calculated risk. I had no idea what was on her phone. I took a guess that there would be something on the phone that could be used in a negative light. There were a couple of pictures and comments on there that I exploited to the fullest. They had absolutely nothing to do with her being involved in a secret lifestyle. Katie Brandle, who was with us for a week after Sydney's death, had nothing to do with it, and she was not with us when, the, when we disposed of Sydney's body in Clay County. Until now, I have never told the truth about how and why Sydney died. Almost everything I said was a lie unless it benefited me. The state got a lot of it right, but not some of the biggest things. I did use Bailey to lure Sydney to the apartment as I had done with all the girls. You heard three of them testify at my trial. The plan, however, was not to get her there to kill her, but to pull her into our little group. I used women for sex and, and in my criminal activities. Killing her intentionally would have been very counterproductive. I do not deny, however, that I premeditated Sydney's murder. The only difference is it was two or three hours after she got to the apartment that I decided to kill her, and not days in advance, but premeditation, as I understand, is premeditation, and that makes very little difference. I seriously misjudged Sydney from her and Bailey's messages and what happened on their first date. Once I sat Sydney down and started explaining how we made money, some of our criminal activities, and about the group sex and other things, I knew I had made a bad mistake as Sydney somewhat freaked out. I tried for about 30 minutes to calm her down and had Bailey talk to her, but it did no good. I finally restrained her by tying her hands in front of her. I took her in the bedroom and told her to lay down and relax and warned her what would happen if she didn't. The truth is I killed Sydney because of her reaction to what I had told her and shown her. I had no doubt that she would tell people if I let her go. 
At the time, Bailey and I both had warrants and were living the good life from our criminal activities, and I was willing to do anything to protect that. I, strang I strangled Sydney with an extension cord in the bedroom of the apartment here in Wilbur. I have always told the truth when I said Bailey was not in the bedroom when I killed Sydney. Bailey was in the living room when I killed Sydney. All I told Bailey when I went into the bedroom was to stay there. I was going to talk to Sydney. I've always told the truth that the reason I dismembered her body was that I could find no other way to get her out of the apartment without being seen carrying her. Bailey helped me carry Sydney's body from the bedroom into the dining room. I had planned to have her help me in the dismemberment, but she started dry heaving, just carrying Sydney's body, so I did it myself. I am the one who made the outline around Sydney's tattoo. There was no message or satanic anything meant by that. I had planned to remove her tattoos to make it harder to identify her body, but didn't. That is why the tattoo was outlined. Bailey and I cleaned up the apartment and she drove me to Clay County where I disposed of Sydney's body in an overgrown ditch line. I've done some terrible things in my life, but this is the only thing I have ever done that I feel real regret about. In the past, I could justify myself, but not this time. Sydney did nothing but reject my lifestyle and threaten to expose it, and I killed her for it. I am fully aware that nothing I have said will change a single thing here today, but it is the truth. I am not looking for mercy, forgiveness, or anything else. To be quite frank, that when no disrespect intended to the court, I could care less what you do to me here today. Thank you, Your Honor. Defense attorney Ben Murray. We knew he was. Go we knew he was going to make a statement. Um, and I, you know, I don't know how much of it's true, but he he did say that part of the reason he wanted to make the statement was to give some closure to the Lou family and and to remove any of the. The, I guess the implications we had made toward her during the trial. Or to take the heat off Bailey. And that was kind of his thing the whole time, was that he, he never wanted um, any blame to go towards Bailey. And then came the sentence that surprised no one. On count one, murder in the first degree, a class one felony, the defendant is sentenced to death. Bailey Boswell is appealing her life without parole sentence and declined our interview request. Although Aubrey Trail has resigned himself to his fate on death row and plans to sue the state of Nebraska to force them to execute him, he had a very specific reason for agreeing to be interviewed for this episode. I've come to the realization that no matter what I say or do, me and Bailey Boswell, history is going to paint us as monsters no matter what. And since that's the case, I mean, I would at least like them to get it right. I mean, I'm not trying to be funny or nothing, but if they're gonna paint me as a monster, no matter what I do, I want them to at least paint me as the right kind of monster. The prosecution made a big thing about, we we called her there to kill her. No, we called her there because I was gonna to try to pull her into our group. That was the real reason for getting her there. Calling a girl to my own apartment and killing her is very counterproductive to what me and Bailey had going on. I'm not stupid enough to do that. But it turned out that that's what happened. There was nothing that Sidney Loof could have done when two people set out to murder somebody. Sidney Loof met her murderer online. I'm Patricia Patches-Brown. Audible is the destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Allow your imagination to be piqued 
by stories that are brought to life through captivating sound design, eerie soundscapes, and dynamic performances. As an Audible member, you'll be able to keep your heart rate up month after month because you can choose one title a month to keep from the entire catalog, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. If you're in the mood for a shocking psychological thriller, check out None of This is True by Lisa Jewell. Embrace brand new exclusive thrillers from bestselling authors who are guaranteed to keep you gripped. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500. That's audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500.